Hey, faithful listener, welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of Judges. Howdy and happy Monday, faithful listeners. This is Jen with the Bible Explained podcast. I'm so excited that you're here to share some coffee with me or some tea for you crazy tea drinkers out there. Though I should say I do drink tea. I drink it at night, but it is not the preferred beverage. It is uh, something that I drink so that I don't drink coffee all day. (laughs) And that's no joke. I'm pretty addicted to coffee. It gets kind of bad sometimes. So recently, in order to quell my addiction to caffeine, I have been doing half-calf, mixing decaf coffee in with normal coffee. So it still gives me that like caffeine that I my body wants, but not with all the terrible side effects. So that's what I've been doing recently to, uh, to quell my coffee addiction a little bit. But anyway, grab your coffee or your cup of tea this morning and let's read Judges 14 verses 1 through 11. This is going to be a fascinating portion of scripture. I know I say that every single time that I read the Bible, but that's because it is fascinating. And today is is very fascinating in my mind because we're going to be talking about Samson, how Samson reflects the Israelite nation at that time and also the modern church nowadays. We're going to talk about both those things. We're going to be talking about Samson ripping apart the lion. I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. He came up and told his father and his mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as my wife. Then his father and his mother said to him, Isn't there a woman among your brother's daughters or among all my people that you go take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she pleases me well. But his father and his mother didn't know that it was of Yahweh, for he sought an occasion against the Philistines. Now at that time, the Philistines ruled over Israel. Then Samson went down to Timnah with his father and his mother, and came to the vineyards of Timnah. And behold, a young lion roared at him. Yahweh's spirit came mightily on him, and he tore him as he would have torn a young goat with his bare hands. But he didn't tell his father or his mother what he had done. He went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. After a while, he returned to take her, and he went over to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees in the body of the lion, and honey. He took it into his hands and went on, eating as he went. He came to his father and to his mother and gave to them, and they ate. But he didn't tell them that he had taken the honey out of the lion's body. His father went down to the woman, and Samson made a feast there, for the young men used to do so. When they saw him, they brought him 30 companions to be with him. So something you may not know about me is I love honey. I absolutely love local honey. I purchase honey when I see it all the time, especially if it's a good deal. I never purchase it from the store. I purchase like local honey because it just tastes so much better than the store. Like, oh my goodness. And fresh honeycomb. I don't know if you guys have ever had it, but man, Honeycomb is just amazing. And I've only had it like two or three times in my life, but I just love a good honeycomb. But yeah, it says here in verse one that Samson goes down to Timnah. So we know that Samson is older. He has grown up. He is of the marrying age. I would imagine he is a young man at this point. And so he's traveling down to this area called Timnah or Timnath, depending on the version that you read. And I would imagine that this was probably a Philistine area. 
If you look at it, it seems like a lot of Philistines live in this area. Now, I don't know exactly where Timnah was, and I did not look it up on an ancient map, so I'm sorry about that. But it says that Philistines live there, so I'd imagine that it is a Philistine area. So he's going down to Timnah. Why is he going down there? I do not know. Maybe because uh, Samson knew that he was going to be the next judge of Israel, and so he's like scouting out, looking at what the Philistines are doing. Don't know why Samson decided to go down there. But he did. And while he's there, he sees this beautiful woman that he likes. And she was a Philistine daughter is what it says. So he goes back to mom and dad and he's like, hey, mom and dad, I found this girl that is really beautiful that I want as my wife and she's a Philistine. So go get her for me. Okay. now Samson's parents should have slapped him upside the head here. Like (laughs) just the amount of disrespect Samson is showing to his parents Uh, demanding something of them. And he demands it twice here. He says, go get her as my wife. And then when the parents like protest and say, well, you shouldn't marry a Philistine woman because that's against the law. Samson's like, no, I'm marrying a Philistine. Go get her as my wife. Now, it says here that, yes, they did protest this uh, unlawful marriage, but they still listened to Samson. And so this kind of makes me think Though I don't know because it doesn't give a lot to the story. But this does make me think that Samson was a spoiled child growing up. And just much of Samson's life kind of proves that he was a very narcissistic, very spoiled child. He was the baby that was blessed by God. And so maybe his parents just didn't discipline him as much as they should have. Because he was a Nazarite, don't forget. So he was supposed to be from the the womb blessed by God and set aside for God. His parents should have taught him to be a Nazarite the way that he should be a Nazarite and to take that vow very seriously. But his parents didn't do that because already in the very first chapter of Samson being a young man and in this portion that we read today, we see Samson violate the Nazarite law close to four times just in these 12 verses that I read today. So Samson's parents, I think, were far too soft on Samson. So they listened to Samson, but it does say here in verse four, his father and his mother didn't know that it was of Yahweh, for he sought an occasion against the Philistines. So we know from the last chapter that the Philistines had been persecuting Israel for over 40 years at this point. And so now Samson is going to be the next judge of Israel that saves the Israelites from the Philistines or was supposed to save the Israelites from the Philistines rather. And so this entire occasion of Samson falling in love with this Philistine woman was actually a part of God's plan. So here's the question with that. Did God cause Samson to sin here or did God formulate all of this? No, I do not believe that at all. God does not cause anybody to sin. But God can use sin to fulfill something in the end. And he often does do that. He uses our sinful natures to turn it around for good in the end. So God knew Samson inside and out, obviously. And Samson was clearly very interested and attracted to women. Not to mention that God has been with Samson as Samson is growing up, probably has seen Samson violate the Nazarite laws however many times he's he's done it in the past and just knows how Samson's going to operate. So perhaps where God intervened here was at the very beginning in verse one, where Samson goes down to Timnah. Perhaps God 
put that idea into Samson's head where Samson should go down to Timnah to survey the Philistines. And God knew that if Samson went down to Timnah, that he would see that young woman and then God would use that marriage in the end to actually defeat the Philistines. So I don't believe that God ever causes a person to sin. Samson did this all on his own. Samson chose this sin all on his own and wanted this, but God was using it. It was part of God's plan in the end. So the parents didn't know that all of this was part of God's plan. It does seem like they're pretty upset about this, but still for some reason they just they just go along with it. And God also knew the parents. They knew that the parents would give in, right, to Samson marrying this woman as well. So the parents go over to Timnah along with Samson to get him this beautiful Philistine wife. So here's the other thing about this. The Israelites were to have nothing to do with peace treaties and marriage outside of the Israeli community, not because of racism, not because of nationalism, nothing like that, but solely because the outside peoples were pagans and they would cause the Israelites to start worshiping their pagan gods. And so that's why God was like, do not make a peace treaty with them. Do not intermarry with them, because if you do, it's going to be a vice to you. It's going to cause you to go astray from me. Instead, Israel is supposed to follow Yahweh completely, have other people from other nations actually move into Israel and convert to Judaism and start worshiping Yahweh. And that was the point of Israel. That was God's purpose for Israel. But we see Israel constantly stray away from that path from basically the very beginning. Even when Joshua was still alive, Joshua made a peace treaty with one of the uh, surrounding nations. So we see Peace treaties happen from the very beginning because the Israelites always wanted just one thing. They wanted to be like the surrounding nations. But God said, no, don't be like the surrounding nations. Be different. Be set apart. Be holy. And that's going to show the other nations what it looks like to be holy. And then through you, I'm actually going to bless all the other nations. So that was the purpose of Israel. But from the very beginning, it never happened. There was intermarriage, there was intermingling, there was peace treaties, there was worship of foreign idols. And Samson is a picture of Israel almost completely, like his entire life. He set aside from his infancy as special and as holy. God set Abraham aside, the founding father of the Israelite nation. God set him apart as different and as holy and made a covenant with Abraham. And just like that picture of Abraham and the beginning of Israel, that's what Samson is. He's a picture of being blessed from birth, from infancy, and having a covenant being made with God. That Nazarite vow that Samson had on him was almost like the covenant God made with Abraham uh, thousands of years prior to this. So Samson wants to marry this woman. He's about to break his Nazarite vow, basically, to and, and all of God's laws to marry a Philistine woman who did not worship Yahweh. So as Samson's going along, breaking his Nazarite vow, he decides to break it even further. So his parents are going into Timnah and Samson decides to go a different way. And he probably told his parents, he's like, you know what, I'm going to go take a walk. So Samson finds himself in a vineyard. And what is a vineyard? <laughs> a vineyard is a place where they grow grapes. Nazarites were not supposed to eat grapes of any kind. 
that was part of their vow from infancy. They're not supposed to eat raisins, grape juice, grapes, the skin of grapes. My community actually does a little grape celebration every September and they have like grape ice cream. It's pretty good actually. It's shockingly delicious. So Samson wasn't allowed to even have grape ice cream or anything flavored with grapes. No wine especially as well or alcoholic beverages. So Samson goes into this vineyard and he's probably going in there honestly to eat grapes because they were a forbidden fruit for him. They were the fruit he was not allowed to eat. Out of all the fruits that he could eat, grapes were off limits. And so he goes into the vineyard and he's probably snacking on grapes as he goes. So he's breaking the vow again, just like the Israelites had done hundreds of years prior to this when they were first given the law. And when Israel made that promise with God and said, yes, we will follow this law, they didn't follow it. They found themselves in tempting scenarios all the time. And then they wouldn't remove themselves from those scenarios. So that's a lesson to us Christians nowadays. It's very clear that we are supposed to avoid certain behaviors and certain things of the world. But if we're putting ourselves into scenarios where temptation might be possible, that causes problems in the end because we probably will act on those temptations. Just as Samson shouldn't have wandered into that grape field so that he could eat grapes, we also should be avoiding our temptations, the things that make us struggle. So for example, if, if we struggle with pornography, let's just say, we have to make sure we put things in place so that we don't act on that temptation instead of almost seeking it out or not guarding yourself from that temptation. Or maybe going to a bar where you know that there are uh, women there that act a certain way that's going to make you feel lustful. Or the same goes for women. If you struggle with pornography as a woman, don't put yourself in situations that might cause you to be tempted in that way. And then it's harder for you to not act on those temptations. So we're supposed to avoid anything that causes us to have a temptation at all. And even if we do encounter that temptation, we're supposed to turn away from it because that's not the way we are going to live. And plus on top of that, if we do act on that temptation, we're going to feel so guilty afterward, or at least we should feel guilty. Though Samson did not seem like he felt guilty basically ever in his life. So he's wandering into this vineyard to probably snack on some grapes and he comes across this young lion. So the fiercest type of lion that there is. But it says here that Yahweh's spirit came mightily on Samson and he tore the young lion apart with his bare hands. But he didn't tell his father or his mother what he had done. So even though Samson was literally in the act, most likely, of sinning by potentially eating grapes, something he shouldn't have done as a Nazarite, God's spirit still came on Samson. That's the same exact thing with the Israelites once again. They kept sinning. They kept putting themselves in tempting situations and scenarios. And yet God still kept on helping them with the power of the Holy Spirit. And the same goes for the Christians nowadays. God's mercy is very great. And he does give us the Holy Spirit. Now, if we have the Holy Spirit, that does not mean that we are free of all sin. As we've seen in the past, there are people that have the Holy Spirit that still go on sinning. And we're going to see that with Samson as well. The Holy Spirit doesn't cause us not to sin, but the Holy Spirit does give us tools to help us not sin. 
and the Holy Spirit can still help us even when we are sinning like Samson is potentially doing right here. So it says that uh, he tears the lion apart, but he didn't tell his father and his mother what he had done. And why do you think he didn't tell his parents? Because he never should have been in that vineyard to begin with, and he knew it. And most likely he was eating grapes. So he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. So he decides to marry her. And so after a while, he returns to take her as a wife. So several months probably had passed at this point. And Samson decides to wander into that vineyard again, even though possibly grapes are not are no longer in season. Samson's like, you know what? I'm going to go over to that vineyard once again and check out that carcass of the lion. He never should have done that. There was no point for him to go near a dead body because once again, that was breaking his Nazarite vow. So this is the third time now we see Samson break his Nazarite vow. So he goes over, he sees the carcass of the lion that he tore apart and it says that there is honey in there. There's a, a swarm of bees with all of this delicious dripping honeycomb. And I mean, that's tempting. It's very tempting to reach in and grab some of that honeycomb out of there, especially if Samson is feeling kind of hungry and uh, it was a long walk, maybe. So he takes some of that honeycomb and touches the dead body of that lion the carcass of the lion to take that honeycomb out and he's eating it. He's eating it as he goes along and he comes to his father and his mother and he gives to them and they eat it. But he didn't tell them that he had taken the honey out of the lion's body. Well, no kidding because he once again broke his vow to God. Not only that, he caused his parents to break a vow to God, even though they didn't know. They didn't know that they were becoming unclean by touching this honey that had been in a dead body and eating it nonetheless. They became unclean because of Samson's actions. Shows the state of Israel again, how the leaders in this time period were causing Israel to become unclean by encouraging them to sin in the same way that these leaders were sinning. We've seen this multiple times with the judges already, where the judges were acting like complete and total kings, even though they shouldn't have been acting like kings because they were not kings. God was supposed to be the king. And the judges were, were doing all sorts of terrible things that they never should have been doing. They were marrying multiple wives. They were living these lives of complete and total grandeur. They were worshiping other gods and causing Israel to sin in that same way. And Samson is a picture of these other judges. Samson caused his parents to become unclean through the action of Samson himself. And then lastly, in verses 10 and 11, his father went down to the woman and Samson made a feast there for the young men used to do so. And when they saw him, they brought 30 companions to be with him. So Samson organizes this big wedding feast in order to marry this young girl. And all these Philistine men, says 30 companions, came to celebrate with Samson. Now we know they're Philistines because of the next portion we're going to read on Wednesday. But these Philistine men would probably be drinking in excess during this feast. And Samson, who has already broken the Nazarite vow three times in this short little passage, he had no consequences for anything that he did ever. That actually is another uh, indication that Samson was a spoiled child. So he's throwing this party, likely drinking himself. And this is the fourth time we see Samson violate his Nazarite vow 
in just 12 short little verses. So are Christians doing the same thing nowadays? Are we doing the same thing as Samson? Because you and I are are the church. We are part of the new covenant. We are adopted children of gods. In, in a lot of ways, Christians reflect what ancient Israel used to be. We are very similar. We are the priests. So are we doing the same thing that Samson is doing? I believe, yes, the church is falling down the same paths. The church is flirting with other ideologies right now that are not in scripture. Same way as Samson was flirting with that Philistine woman who he had no business being married to or falling in love with. The church is doing the exact same thing right now, flirting with these ideologies that are not a part of scripture at all. Second, the church is breaking a vow that they have to God. There's a verse in Revelation that talks about a specific church that fell away from their first love. And that's what the church has done now. There's not many churches that really hold to their first love, which is Jesus. Thirdly, members of the church, I've already talked about this, are putting themselves into tempting situations and causing themselves to sin. And so we need to take ourselves out of those tempting scenarios. Lastly, in some cases, the church is causing other people to sin, just as Samson gave his parents, who didn't know about it, the honey out of the uh, dead lion. The church is, in a way, kind of doing the same thing. They're causing other people to sin because the church is, is acting very hypocritically. I mean, Samson himself was a hypocrite. He pretended to be an, a Nazarite. He pretended to care about those vows. That's why we see him not telling his parents about the stuff that he was doing wrong. He pretended to care, but he was living a double life. And so there's two things I can speak about that with the church. Firstly, we cannot be living double lives. We can't be acting like the world because if the church acts like the world or if members of the church act like the world, what's going to make anybody want to go to church if they can just go do that same exact thing anywhere else? The church has to be different and has to be set apart, just like Israel had to be different and to be set apart so that the other nations around the world would be like, wow, look at how blessed Israel is. What are they doing so differently? And then those nations would begin to worship Yahweh and follow Yahweh. And the church, that's that's the prime goal of the church right now is to be a beacon of hope to the world. But that's unfortunately not what the church is doing. So we have to start with ourselves and make sure that uh, we are checking ourselves, that we are not acting hypocritically or living a double life because in that way we are uh, breaking a vow that we made with God. I kind of look at baptism actually as a vow in a way because it's a public display of what we believe in. When we go do baptism, we are saying to the world, hey, I am now a Christian and I'm going to live the Christian lifestyle. So in my mind, that's what baptism is. It is a vow that we make to God and there are witnesses to that vow. So if you're baptized and you take that vow, like, hey, I'm going to live the Christian life now, then it's important to live that Christian life and not to live a double life like Samson did. And secondly, by living that double life, we are causing other people to sin because they see you as a Christian and they're like, oh, you know, Jen is going and doing that thing that, you know, I thought was kind of bad, but maybe it's not that bad. Maybe I should go hang out with her and, you know, whatever. So we can cause people to sin in that way. And we can also cause people to sin by beginning to hate Christianity because of hypocrisy. There's a verse actually in the New Testament about that uh, saying along the lines, I can't quote it exactly, but it's along the lines of no wonder the world doesn't want Christianity the way 
Christians act, basically. It's along that line. And it's true. We can cause the world, other people to sin when they look at us and they see that we are acting hypocritically. That might cause somebody else to fall away from Christianity or from the faith. So we have to be very careful as Christians. It's very hard. It's hard to live the Christian life and nobody can do it perfectly. That's the other thing I should mention is that grace does exist for a reason. And there is not a single person, Christian or non-Christian, that is above grace, that doesn't need grace at one point in their lives. Every single human being from you to me needs grace because we do sin and, and God is so merciful even when we are sinning in those ways. But the the point that I'm getting at is that we can't make those sins a habit and start not feeling guilty over those sins and just continue to do them because that's the kind of lifestyle I'm talking about is the kind of lifestyle where you've given up a little bit about caring. Same as how Samson did not care about his Nazarite vows. But anyway, friends, sorry this was such a long episode because this is there was so much in this passage, so much we could talk about, so many analogies. And honestly, I could have gone on for probably another three hours and not covered anything, everything that I wanted to cover in this episode. I'm not even joking. There was many things I wanted to get to that I didn't even get to. But because I try to keep my episodes around 20 minutes long, I don't want to go into everything today. And you might ask me, actually, why I try to keep my episodes 20 minutes long. And there's two reasons for that. The first reason is because I do these daily. Well, actually, there's three reasons. The first reason is I do these daily. And it's very, very hard for me to talk for that long and to do that much that much research. The second reason is for your guys' time. And the third reason is because I have a platform that I put all my podcast episodes on and they bill me by how long my episodes are. And if I do longer episodes, especially if I did them every single day, that would cost me an arm and a leg and I am a small business and I just, I don't have the resources to to do something like that, unfortunately. Though sometimes I would like to do longer episodes, but even last month when I put out my half million downloads episode, which was 45 minutes, I actually had to pay at the end of the month for extra storage so that I could upload the rest of my uh, podcast episodes. So even that 45 minute episode that I did uh, for bonus for you guys, I ended up having to pay to put it on there. So that is why my episodes are the length that they are. And uh, I will do longer episodes sometimes, but I can't always do that. Friends and faith listeners, if you would like to support P40 Ministries, check out all of the links in uh, the, the episode. You can purchase a t-shirt or donate if you would like to help monetarily with this ministry. Or of course, if you go over to YouTube and subscribe or rate and review the podcast, that's also an excellent way that you can help support this ministry. Friends and faith listeners, I will see you all on the next episode tomorrow. Happy listening and God bless.